Welcome, everyone, to the Veterans News Hour with David Corey and Richard Hurley, a national news and talk program dedicated to military veterans' issues. And now, your hosts, David Corey and Richard Hurley. Good evening. Welcome to the Veterans News Hour, Monday, March the 7th, 2022. This is Air Force veteran David Corey along with my co-host Richard Early. We have lots of news, information, and hopefully interesting uh, dialogue, conversation for uh, those that wish to call in. Um, and good information for veterans and their families, so stay tuned. Let's first go over to Richard Hurley. Hello, Rick. How are you? Good, David. How you doing? Good. I hope everybody out there is doing well. Interesting times that that we're living in right now, and but uh, tonight we're going to be talking about veterans and what we can do to help our veterans. And and you know, I always remind people that this is the Veterans News Hour. This is your show. This is your opportunity to pick up the phone and call us and tell us about your particular case. Um, maybe you're dealing with the VA right now. Maybe you're getting ready for a, a court hearing with the Board of Veteran Appeals. Uh, maybe you uh, have some issues about some, some new legislation that's coming up that we're going to discuss tonight. You know, all these are issues that are pressing on your mind and your family's mind and, and other veterans. So it's really important that all you veterans stick together and, uh, you know, and, and exchange information, have a conversation, and talk about what's going on. Um, and so during the show, we're going to talk about some other some other issues. But at this time, I'm going to send it back to David because we got some some big news regarding uh, uh, the Toxic Act of 2021. David, yeah, thanks, Rick. Um, covering uh, an issue that uh, we've talked about a lot over the last uh, several years, and that's uh, the issue of toxic exposure that uh, veterans. Uh, experience and then uh, often are affected with disabilities. And big news this past week, a uh, bill passed the House of Representatives in Washington, and the bill is H.R. 3967. Uh, the title, the long title of the bill is Honoring Our Promise to Address Comprehensive Toxics Act of 2021. Um, or the shorter name is Honoring Our Pact Act. It's passed by the House on Thursday, March the 3rd, 2022, with the vote of uh, 256 to 174. <clears throat> now, this legislation, uh, before it becomes law, still has to be passed by the U.S. Senate and then signed by the President. But if it does get enacted into law, it will address a broad range of issues that are affecting toxic exposed veterans, including access to uh, earned compensation benefits as well as health care with the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs. This bill has the support of uh, at least 42 veteran service organizations, the Biden administration, and, um, and many other groups and, and veterans. <clears throat> this past week on March the 3rd, the U.S. House Committee on Veteran Affairs Chairman uh, Mark Takano of California uh, said in the following press release, and I quote, For too long, Congress and VA have been slow to act on toxic exposure. Uh, 
But today the House took a bipartisan vote to change that and finally made good on our promise to toxic exposed veterans by passing the Honoring Our Pact Act. After years of diligent input from toxic exposed veterans, my colleagues, our staff, the VA and VSOs, stands for Veteran Service Organizations or Officers, we passed the most comprehensive legislation to date to treat toxic exposure as a cost and ensure that all toxic exposed veterans can access the care and benefits they've earned. This fight is not over, but I will not rest until our veterans guarantee in statute that their government will take care of them when they come home, no matter the cost. Congress Takano also said, quote, I'm so grateful for the strong support from Speaker Pelosi, President Biden, and our dedicated VSOs and advocates. And I look forward to working with Senator Tester to pass truly comprehensive legislation through the Senate and send it to the President's desk. Toxic exposed veterans do not have time to wait, unquote. <clears throat> now, this bill, if enacted into law being passed by the Senate and then signed by the President will accomplish um, quite a few things. Um, and I'm going to give you just an overview. Maybe in future shows we can dive into more de- de- detail about these, and certainly if it passes, we're, we're probably going to have several shows worth of information to discuss this. You know, VA law always is, is, is evolving, and this is just another example of what will be major changes. But this bill, if, if enacted in law, will expand health care coverage by providing what the VA calls Priority Group 6 health care coverage to over 3.5 million veterans who are exposed to toxic substances. It will also provide an extension of combat eligibility for health care from 5 to 10 years with a one-year open enrollment period for those veterans who missed their initial window of time. It will streamline the VA's review for establishing toxic exposure presumptions It will, and this is a a really big development, it will concede exposure to airborne hazards and burn pits based on locations and dates of service. It will require medical exams and opinions for certain veterans with toxic exposure disability claims. And uh, as an issue uh, pertaining to Agent Orange exposure, the Vietnam veteran uh, generation, it will add hypertension and monoclonal Gamapathy of undetermined significance, which is a long title for a, a blood condition in which there's a certain protein in the blood, which can often lead to other conditions. It adds those two conditions to the already rather long list of presumptions for Agent Orange exposure disability compensation. Also, and very importantly, this bill, if enacted into law, will establish a presumption of service connection for 23 respiratory illnesses and cancers related to burn pits and airborne hazards exposure. This is a really big deal. It will also create a presumption of exposure uh, to radiation for veterans who served in uh, cleanup activities in Palomaros, Spain, uh, and Anahuitac Atoll. The bill will also allow for a new tort claim for veterans and families exposed to toxic water at Camp Lejeune. It will expand Agent Orange exposure to veterans who served in Thailand, Laos, and Cambodia. And it will attempt to improve data collection between the VA and the Department of Defense. It will commission studies related to incidents of cancer among veterans, health trends of post-9-11 veterans, and the feasibility of providing health care to dependents of veterans. 
It will require the VA to provide standardized training to improve toxic exposure disability claims adjudications. And finally, it will require the VA to conduct outreach and provide resource to toxic exposed veterans. So it is very broad in its scope and broad in its detail. Uh, if you support this legislation, you may wish to contact your two U.S. Senators. You can find out their contact information on the website Senate.gov. And again, this particular bill is that passed the House is H.R. 3967. It's called Honoring Our Promise to Address Comprehensive Toxics Act of 2021. It passed the House last Thursday, March the 3rd, and now it'll go to the Senate, and uh, we'll have to see what happens in the Senate. If it passes, if it's amended, whatever. We'll keep following that on this show. So it's a really big development, and... Uh, it also coincides with um, this time of year, every year, um, all the major and even some of the minor uh, veteran service organizations are in Washington on Capitol Hill making presentations to the Senate and the House committees. There's, there were some hearings last week. There's some more tomorrow you can watch online. Go to Senate.gov. But uh, this is one, this is a major piece of legislation uh, that if enacted, you're going to see a significant uh, impact for, positive impact for veterans. You also see a lot more work for the VA, so we'll have to see how the VA copes with all that additional work. Uh, so <clears throat> if you uh, want more information, <clears throat> you can go to um, the websites of uh, the House and the Senate Veteran Affairs Committee, which is veterans.senate.gov and veterans.house.gov. And uh, once once again, it's uh, H.R. 3967. Um, if you have any uh, comments or questions on this topic, let me give you our toll-free call-in number again. Welcome to hear your views and your comments on this and, and other veteran issues tonight. Toll-free number is one 888 627-6008. Again, 1-888-627-6008. Okay, Rick, over to you. Thanks, David. Yeah, I was wondering uh, what your thoughts were about, you know, the, the vote on, uh, you know, was it 254 to 174? Two, uh, it was 256 uh, to 174. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, I'm surprised that it wasn't more overwhelming, to tell you the truth. 256 to 174, and, and, you know, I know they said it was bipartisan, uh, but I was wondering about, you know, I looked, I looked at the list of the, um, the way they, Congress, and it was pretty much ours versus the D's, and I was kind of surprised. I thought we'd get a little more support across the board. And, Which one were you supporting more? Which ones were supporting more, the Democrats or the Republicans? Democrats. Re Republicans were nay. Huh. Well, that is surprising. Well, there must have been. Yeah. Normally, I mean, you know, in Alabama, okay. okay. we got a caller. Uh, Go ahead. Hey, Rick, we got a caller, so let's let's take this caller. Uh, yeah, no, I'm aware of that. Okay. Go ahead. Hello, this is uh, Richard Duncan, uh, retired Marine. Uh, I'm uh, going to be reviewing my... Uh, 
my uh, disability claim shortly, and uh, one of the things is my COPD that I'm concerned with, and uh, uh, from us asbestos that uh, was in the buildings that I worked in in the Marine Corps, and uh, I'm concerned that, uh, and, and that while I was on active duty, that uh, I was exposed to these things, and uh, and uh, can't go to Japan and Okinawa. Even when I went through boot camp in 1959, they had uh, asbestos in those uh, buildings as well. And actually, when I was in um, the Philippines, there was uh, buildings that uh, were from falling apart, and the asbestos was on the floor. You could sweep oh, it up, no. and uh, one of my commanders said, this is asbestos, this stuff is dangerous, you know. And he was supposed to go in and do something about it, but... It was still there when I left, but um, you know it's one of those things that uh, I, that I have had these problems for years. I can uh, I, I'm on oxygen. I I, I have trouble uh, breathing uh, uh, constantly, and, uh, and I'm short of breath all the time. So I do believe that these things that I was exposed to is the reason I had these problems. So. Uh, I'm just letting you know that uh, this this new bill that you're passing should be uh, should be uh, uh, at least include some of these kind of things. And, uh, I'm uh, looking forward to hearing more about. So, I've I've had several of my uh, officers that I worked with, and uh, some of my uh, fellow Marines that uh, have seen these things and been involved with them themselves, and uh, I know that there's several places I've been this happening, so it's one of those things that I did because I was uh, in charge of, uh, of the Marines that uh, worked in these uh, issue points. I was a supply man, and we had these, uh, uh, this stuff all the time, so it's not uncommon that uh, someone that's in the field had a problem with these with these points of touch that we, we had to deal with, so... Let you know where it's coming from, and uh, hopefully that will uh, help uh, help you guys along a little bit. I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for for uh, for sharing uh, your experience. I'm sorry you've you've had to suffer uh, through through all those uh, uh, all those times, all those years uh, because of the asbestos exposure. I know it's um, it's a condition. You know, asbestosis and lung cancer is something that has affected. Uh, you know, many thousands of uh, veterans um, and, and uh, a lot of Navy veterans, particularly on ships that were exposed, but, but obviously uh, uh, asbestos was used in a lot of buildings uh, <clears throat> for, for many decades, and it's a very, very dangerous uh, substance. Um, I, I know when I was uh, stationed in England, in the uh, in, in the eighties, at one point, the building that we were in was going through a major um, asbestos uh, removal uh, project. You know, this is in the eighties, and this was a building that had been built probably I don't know in the in the fifties or so. And there, it was only by that point when I think when when uh, the DOD was was becoming uh, very careful, or at least more more careful than they had been prior to that. With uh, well, most, most of the places that I, were, that I was at, that 
was uh, subjected to this was in, uh, you know, marine, uh, marine facilities overseas. Some of the older facilities that uh, were in the States, you know, like at Pendleton and, uh, and uh, I was over in Fuji, Japan. I had it over there. And, uh, and uh, well, I was in the Philippines. We had buildings the same way over there. And uh, these buildings were not good buildings. I mean, they, they were in need of repair, most of them. And there was this stuff was all over the place. So it's one yeah. of those things that... Hey, Rich, let me jump in here. I, uh, and, 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 and the VA has denied you service connection for your exposure, yet, uh, as I understand it, you uh, were aware that you had respiratory issues in service uh, after you were discharged and throughout the rest of your life, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. And uh, so, <clears throat> but the VA has denied, has denied that that you were ever exposed to uh, uh, the asbestos condition. They have, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And and I know you, you had, uh, mentioned about uh, the Quonset huts, right? Right, the, right. A lot of the asbestos was in the Quonset huts? Yes, indeed. And, and as I said, the ones that I was in actually were coming apart and the stuff was falling on the ground, and I did have one of my officers uh, looked at it and said, hey, that's the best, best that stuff is not good for you. So, I mean, this is back in, uh, you know, in the, in the uh, 70s and 80s, uh, early 80s. And, uh, and when you're in the Philippines, you know, they're, they're not going to do much over there because I was on a, a training uh, facility over there where the Marines would come in and, and uh, train with us. And uh, I was in charge of the supply operation and, had uh, all the Quonset huts that were there. I was in charge of all of all the things that were in the, in the Quonset huts as well. And the Marines stayed in there while they were there. I did the same thing when I was in uh, in Japan at Camp uh, Fuji, Japan. I was in charge over there as well. And uh, we had the we were in these uh, Quonset huts, and they were they were less than spectacular Quonset huts. It was for training, but my Fellows that were stationed with me as a supply chief, I had 20, 25 Marines working for me. They were all, uh, had to stay there all the time. So there was, uh, there was a problem with, um, with this as asbestos, as well as we had uh, uh, oil fire, oil uh, uh, heating facility, of heating, uh, heating uh, elements in these things. And uh, he set a fire in there and put oil, and oil went through it. And you had a, a gas coming out of this stuff, and uh, and smoke all the time from them. And the temperature uh, when I was in Camp uh, Fuji was like uh, 20, 20 degrees below zero. So you weren't go- hardly going outside or anything. You stayed indoors. And uh, you know, I, I was I had to stay in there with the with all this stuff going on. So that's just the way it is. You know, you had to do what you had to do. So. One of the reasons I feel and, like, and, uh, that the government's what, what do you what do you do today? Do you, are you on oxygen during the day or at night? Oh, I'm on oxygen at night, all night, and I'm on oxygen during the day when I'm usually going somewhere. I have to have it, and uh, and I do inhalers, you know, uh, and I'm and I'm under um, a doctor's care here, and uh, and I'm, I'm I live in. Uh, 
St. Petersburg, Florida, and my doctor here, uh, I go to him about uh, once every couple of months, and and then I also go when I have problems, and he runs tests on my uh, breathing, and uh, it's not good, let's put it that way. So I can't do much exercise anymore because of the fact that I, I have a hard time getting my breath and what have you, so... And I'm on oxygen constantly, so I don't know what to tell you. That's just it's part of it, and I know it happened when I was in the Marine Corps. So it's just you know, all you can do is say what what what, what happened, and, that, and that's it. And, uh, I've had more than one person tell me that this stuff is asbestos. Then of course I was in the with the oil over there in the uh, oil heaters, and uh, uh, I couldn't do nothing about that because we're old and. And you had to have heat in the place. So we had two, one at each end of the building. And, uh, and uh, you know, they were going all the time. And you're in that kind of climate. And you can't get outdoors. You can't go open the windows because of the cold, you know. So I was stuck in that kind of environment. And so were my Marines. So it wasn't a pleasant experience. And now I'm stuffed So I want, to, I want to thank you for telling your story, you know, especially in, in light of uh, the, the news that just just ran about the, the uh, legislation that's pending now before the Senate. And uh, David, you have anything you want to add? No, that's, that's sir. I that's certainly wish you it. the best in your fight with the VA. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, that's. Uh, well, I'm so glad that uh, that he shared his uh, his experience. It's very sad to hear that he suffered uh, all these years, and and uh, you know the the military. You know, the military's mission is is um, is to prepare for and to be engaged in war, and uh, and uh, as as we all know, the reality is. By being focused on that and and the nature of the military, some of these issues uh, involving uh, the physical uh, harm caused by uh, you know exposure to things is um, is something that um, I won't say is overlooked, but it's something that is not uh, you know the number one priority. The number one priority for the military is to be prepared for war and to win if we have to go to war. And, uh, you know, the the events of the last uh, week and a half or so with the war in, in the Ukraine kind of reminds us of uh, how quickly the world can kind of go crazy in, in war. It's very unpredictable. But the, my point being, military has to be prepared for that. And as a result, these issues, environmental exposure, toxic exposure, while not ignored, they're not the number one priority of of the military. The military is not the, the Environmental Protection Agency. It's not OSHA, uh, et cetera. I'm not excusing that in any way, but I but I, because I think the solution here is is one of the reasons why we have this show, which is to highlight the importance of uh, VA benefits, disability compensation. It is a cost of war. It's a cost of of, uh, of of having a military, and I think the VA and the U.S. government just needs to own up to that. Um, obviously, the the other lesson is 
uh, for the armed services, the Department of Defense, to do as much as they as they realistically can to uh, protect their troops, because the troops are, you know, the, the number one resource uh, of the military, and uh, so. You know that's basically my my editorializing on on this issue. I think it's important that, that this legislation uh, we've talked about uh, gets passed into law. It's very comprehensive, but I'm sure there's a lot of things that it doesn't talk about. It talks about expose, you know, expanding the presumption of disability for certain things, but but it doesn't address other ones. And there's there's a lot of ongoing issues uh, covered by other legislation. So. There's, there'll be more to talk about in future shows. So, Rick, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, you're right on point there, David. And, and like, it just seems like whenever we, you know, discuss legislation when it comes to veterans, and it's it's the rock slowly moving uphill. And uh, you know, this is just another example of you know, Congress finally catching up to do the right thing, but it's, it's long overdue. It's, it's kind of like building a, you know, they take 10 years to build a highway, and by the time the highway is built, it's already outdated because there's too much traffic for the highway. And, uh, and that's what happens with a lot of this legislation. And I can, you know, we can just only hope that once it gets to the Senate that it'll get through there pretty quickly and it will be a bit more bipartisan than what we saw with, with the House. I was a little discouraged by... Uh, the way that those those votes came down, um, the nays versus the yays, and you know we, we all got to get behind us together. This is a this is a team thing. This isn't about whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. It has nothing to do with any of that. This is about the men and women that have fought for our country and the different uh, exposures that they had as a result of their service, and who are uh, who are now dearly affected, like the caller we have, uh, Rich. Which Duncan had called in, uh, and he's one of hundreds of thousands of veterans who are suffering. Uh, it's just about time that we just get it done, pass legislation, and, and then let the VA take care of the veterans the way they should be taken care of. Back to you, David. More news. All right. Uh, on on a on a very similar related uh, uh, topic. Uh, the VA announced in a press release last Tuesday, March the 1st, that it intends to propose, and I emphasize the word propose because it's not final yet, the VA proposes to add nine rare respiratory cancers to the list of presumed service-connected disabilities in relation to military environmental exposure to particulate matter. Now, you just heard what we were discussing earlier about this legislation in Congress, which would result if enacted in a law, in a statute. In this other press release, the VA is talking about the VA adding through regulations that can be enacted at the VA level uh, to add these nine rare respiratory cancers. Now, the VA determined uh, through a review of scientific and medical evidence that there is a biologic plausibility between airborne hazards, specifically particulate matter, and uh, various types of cancers of the respiratory tract, and uh, that the unique circumstances of these rare cancers justify a presumption of service connection. 
and therefore uh, the VA is proposing a rule that will add um, several relatively rare respiratory cancers for certain uh, veterans. And um, I'll read over these uh, these lists of cancer, but uh, obviously you know, I don't expect you to be, our listeners, to be taking notes. You can find this on va.gov. Look under uh, press releases, and you'll see this. Uh, and, and the details of this press release, but it includes uh, squamous cell carcinoma of the larynx, of the trachea, adenocarcinoma of the trachea, salivary gland tumors of the trachea, adenosquamous carcinoma of the lungs, large cell carcinoma of the lungs, salivary gland-type tumors of the lung, sarcomatoid carcinoma of the lung, and a typical and atypical carcinoid of the lung. So basically, some rather rare cancers of the larynx trachea, and lungs. <clears throat> According to VA Secretary Dennis McDonough, as he said in his press release, and I quote, this is the right decision, the rarity and severity of these illnesses, and the reality that these conditions present a situation where it may not be possible to develop additional evidence prompted us to take this critical action. We'll continue to hold ourselves accountable to veterans to provide more care, more benefits, and more services to more veterans than ever before, unquote. VA intends to focus its rule on the rare respiratory cancers uh, that I've just mentioned uh, in veterans who served any amount of time in the Southwest Asia theater of operations as well as some other locations. The VA will invite and consider public comments as part of this process. And once the rulemaking is complete, after that public comment period has passed, then the VA said it will conduct outreach to affected veterans and survivors to inform them about potential eligibility. Um, as we've mentioned in prior shows, the VA already began processing disability claims on August 2nd of this past year, 2021, uh, for three other conditions, asthma, rhinitis, and sinusitis, on a presumptive basis based on presumed particulate matter exposures during military service in Southwest Asia and certain other areas, if those conditions manifested themselves within 10 years of a qualifying period of service. So that's also important. And I know that the VA has been attempting, and I know this from anecdotal stories from, from veterans that I've represented, know that the VA is reaching out to veterans that, uh, that they know have these conditions and that may have served in these areas to let them know about the change in the law. And uh, it's, it's very important. Uh, the VA is adjudicating these claims, and um, I think it's important to help spread the word. Uh, the VA's press release on that subject um, said that, uh, that, and I quote, the process concluded, and, you know, the VA's review process concluded that particulated, I'm sorry, particulate matter pollution is associated with chronic asthma, rhinitis, and sinusitis for veterans who served in the Southwest Asia Theater of Operation beginning August 2nd, 1990, which is basically the beginning, if you go back to Operation Desert Shield, all the way to the present time, as well as uh, in other countries like Afghanistan, Uzbekistan, Syria, or Djibouti beginning September 19th, 2001. In other words, the post-9-11 wars in those countries, all the way to the present time. So uh, that's, that's another development. And as a side note, um, I just want to add that um, 
couple weeks ago, the VA announced that it is uh, proposing major changes to the disability criteria, disability evaluation criteria for mental disabilities, which include but are not limited to things like uh, depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress, as well as um, the disability evaluations for uh, respiratory uh, conditions and uh, ear, nose, and throat conditions. And there's a there's a public comment period that uh, will run to I think the date is April the 18th of this year, and uh, you can find out more. Go to va.gov and look in the press releases. You can also go to the website regulations.gov, and uh, if all that fails, uh, reach out uh, to Rick Hurley or myself, and we can um, give you more information about those things. But I foresee there are going to be major changes. Now, the VA's official position on those proposed changes is that it will not automatically affect veterans who already have those ratings. Um, However, if veterans, if, and that's a big if, if these changes go into effect, and they would only go into effect after the public comment period, after some further review by the VA, and who knows what the final form will be. But my guess, Rick, is that... um, before the year is out, we're going to see um, probably major changes in um, the the mental disability uh, evaluation regulations. How is it going to pan out? I don't know, but my guess, just based on uh, knowing the VA, is that um, I think the VA will probably use it as a way to to tighten uh, or restrict veterans from getting higher ratings. That's just my guess. And as far as the ear, nose, and throat ratings, the respiratory ratings, um, I'll just, there's a lot of, lot of conditions covered by that, um, including hearing loss, tinnitus, which is going to be, I think, uh, much tougher to get service-connected uh, than it is now, um, but also sleep apnea, which the current rules are that if you are service-connected um, if you can get service connected for sleep apnea, which is not an automatic thing. A lot of veterans have this misconception to think that if they get sleep apnea after the service sometime, it'll automatically... No, that's not the case. You still have to service connect it, uh, you know, with, with some medical evidence that it was due to the service. But that uh, the current rules are that if you use a CPAP machine or a similar machine, that's an automatic 50% rating. That is I'm sure the VA has perceived that as sleep apnea has become a, a a much more commonly rated disability over the last decade. The VA has decided they think the 50% rating is way too high. So the new standards are are going to be much tougher to reach, and it's, it's going to um, basically it's not going to be an automatic 50% just because a veteran is using a, a CPAP machine. So. Anyway, those are some things that are on the near horizon, and we'll continue to follow those on the show. So, Rick, over to you. Yeah, you know, we'll see what happens with all those um, the new things coming down. And, and it's, like you said, the sleep apnea is a very difficult one, even under, under current situation, uh, under you know, the current uh, VA regulation, uh, getting someone service-connected for 
for sleep apnea uh, is very difficult. It can be complicated. And it's not a slam dunk that years after service, all of a sudden you start having sleeping problems that you're, you're going to be able to get service connected for that. So we'll see what happens. More news to come. But in other news, the National Veterans Legal Service Program, NVLSB.org, wants veterans and their families to know that it has a new dedicated burn pit claims assistance program, Burn Pits Cap. This program marks the major ex- expansion of the free legal representation that the NVLSB has provided to veterans and the survivors over the last 40 years. The Burn Pits Cap will assist veterans exposed to toxic emissions and burn pits while serving overseas by representing them on claims for disability benefits before the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs. Open-air burn pits located near military bases were commonly based, used by the U.S. military departments in Southwest Asia to dispose of assorted waste and other matters. The Department of Defense and the VA agree that the smoke and fumes emitted from these burn pits contain numerous toxic chemicals. Over 240,000 veterans and service members have documented their exposure in the VA's Airborne Hazards and Open Burn Pit Registry. Despite its recognition that burn pits located on numerous military bases emitted toxic chemicals, the VA has thus far denied over 75% of the disability claims based on burn pit exposure. The Burn Pit Claims Assistance Program is a natural extension of the NVLSP's legal expertise and tenacity in fighting for veterans and their families to ensure they receive the life-changing benefits they need and deserve, said NVLSP Executive Director Paul Wright. NVLSP has a solid record of defending the rights of veterans with chronic illnesses due to their exposure during military service to toxic chemicals. The most significant example is NEMA versus the United States Department of Veteran Affairs, a class-action lawsuit brought on behalf of all Vietnam veterans and their survivors who had been or would be denied VA benefits for conditions associated with exposure to Agent Orange. In this historic case, the federal court invalidated the VA Agent Orange compensation rule and approved a consent decree requiring VA to pay retroactive disability and death benefits. As a result of the consent decree and four successful motions for enforcement, the VA has been forced to pay over $4.6 billion in VA compensation benefits to Vietnam veterans and their survivors. NVLSP's work on behalf of the Vietnam veterans exposed to Agent Orange underscores the organization's ability to tackle the burn pits issue, often cited as the Agent Orange equivalent for post-9-11 veterans. To learn more about NVLSP burn pits claims assistance program, go to website nvlsp.org. That's nvlsp.org. NVLSP is also a steadfast advocate for legislation that would grant presumption coverage for veterans with burn pits exposure. Back to you, David. Thanks, Rick. Uh, <clears throat> I want to uh, talk about uh, something that's obviously in the news the last um, <clears throat> 12 days or so, and that's been uh, you know Russia's uh, invasion of Ukraine and uh, what it means. There's so many issues we could talk about. There's so many different perspectives. Um, on what caused it. Uh, there's so many unknowns. You know, once you you unleash the forces of war, um, who knows where it's going to uh, to lead. <clears throat> but we all know that uh, there's there's been a lot of uh, a death and destruction just uh, you know in the past uh, two weeks, and who knows how this is going to continue. To unfold, but it's something that uh, certainly been weighing on my mind. I'm sure 
most people pay, pay attention to, uh, to the news. Um, it's something that causes great concern. I'm sure there's a natural tendency at some point. It's like, well, this is far beyond what I can control in life. I just have to tune it out uh, sort of for sanity. I certainly understand that. But at the same time, I think um, it's also an opportunity. I just like to share my own observations but uh, offer you know, some sources where people can, uh, can go to uh, to learn more and get different perspectives because I think that's really what we need. Um, something, that, a theme that we've, we've uh, talked about on this show, at least periodically over the last five years, has been, you know, costs of war. We talk about the cost of war on individual veterans for their lifetime. You know, veterans that went to Vietnam when they were 18, 19 years old, now they're in their 70s and they've suffered their whole life with uh, physical or mental disabilities. We touch on that. Rick Hurley and I see that. We have sort of front row seats as veteran advocates to the individual cost war. And now we're seeing with Ukraine, what's very interesting to me, and interesting to hear your thoughts on this, Rick, you know, after 20 years of war where our country was at war in Iraq and Afghanistan and, and in other countries as well, um, our media played a big role in drumming up, you know, support for for both of those wars. Not that there needed to be a lot for the Afghanistan one, but the 2003 Iraq invasion. You can go back, and there there have been documentaries about the role of the media. My point here is with with Ukraine, the American public is seeing things from from the other side of. Of, of, of the window, so to speak, and that is they're focusing on the impact on civilians and the country of of the destruction caused by an invading force, which is something that our media did not cover when our country was invading Iraq and Afghanistan. I know there's a lot of people that say, well, our, you know, the United States was right in doing these things. The United States is always right. My country, right or wrong, I'm always... But I think this is an important time that that people start um, uh, thinking about that you know the 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 impact of war and violence and certainly the United States being at war for the last 20 years has certainly been uh, a nation which aggressively used war to further its perceived national interests and not just in the last 20 years, but over the last 200 and some years. And uh, more on that point, there are people that are far more articulate and knowledgeable about this than I am. Here's a couple of resources. You may want to, um, you know, spend a few minutes reading through some of the articles. And one of the websites is, is uh, it's an easy one to remember. It's called antiwar.com. Uh, another one is a website that... Uh, that uh, Rick Hurley and I started a few years ago. It's StopWar.Today, and under the Resources tab, you'll find a lot of good resources, one of which is Antiwar.com. But go to Antiwar.com. They have breaking news about the war in Ukraine, uh, but other wars around the country, like the war in Yemen, for instance, is still going on, Syria. There was an article uh, posted earlier today And uh, the article's title is, What Aboutism 
and Russia's attack on Ukraine. Anytime you hear people that, that may disagree with the point or they have a viewpoint, they may say, well, what about this? What about that? And the article is by Doug Bando. Maybe his name is pronounced Bando. I'm not sure. But um, he's someone that uh, has a lot of expertise in uh, foreign affair issues. He's currently a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Back in the Reagan administration, he was a uh, former special assistant to President Reagan. He's also the author of, uh, of a book called Foreign Follies, America's New Global Empire. And I think he would be perceived as, as someone more of an isolationist as foreign foreign policy. But I think his article, his, his, his op-ed here is worth reading because uh, what we look at the larger issue here is, you know, is the use of warfare in the military um, by many countries. And we're just seeing it now with Russia. We're using violence and war to uh, impose their, their views to protect what they believe are their self-interests. And uh, this article, I think, is, is, is very insightful. Um, even if you you think that uh, that the United States should be, in fact, particularly if you think that the United States should be more involved, because there are people calling for the United States uh, enforcing a no-fly zone. There are members of Congress that say that. I think I personally think that's that's uh, way out of line to be doing that because it's bad enough the war is going on in Ukraine. We don't need it to spread. Uh, to the rest of Europe, and we don't need it uh, coming to the United States, which is quite possible to be the outcome. But read that editorial um, by Doug Bando, uh, and uh, he he walks you through, um, while starting with certainly the view that what uh, Russia has done, what Putin has done, um, is is terrible. It's evil add whatever adjectives you want. But um, let's look at the the bigger picture, which is what has been the United States um, experience in protecting what it perceives as its own interests, first of all, in our own hemisphere. You know, going back to the, you know, the the famous um, Monroe Doctrine, which was that the United States felt that it had an interest in, in this entire hemisphere, basically, and we didn't want the Europeans or others to try to uh, have some sort of an in- influence there. And the United States, over the last 200 years, has uh, regularly um, uh, attempted to, and in many cases successfully, uh, put governments in power that the United States felt were are going to be friendly or supportive. And sometimes those were dictatorships, you know, of bad people, a lot of human rights violations. They were not saints in many situations. Um, so now we see Russia essentially doing the same thing in its very backyard, not only in its backyard, but a part, uh, but a country that um, up until um, you know, a little more than 30 years ago had been part of the USSR. Ukraine. So, I mean, there's a long, very complicated history of Ukraine, far beyond what I have knowledge of, except on a superficial level. But I know enough to know that there's a lot of history there, a long history of fighting and killing in Ukraine. And uh, 
But Americans are mostly ignorant of that. Americans tend to learn about geography only when there's war. And this is another example of that. But uh, go to those websites. I encourage you to do that, uh, antiwar.com, because if, um, if you want if you want to have some impact on what your government, the U.S. government, is doing, then you need to be more informed and, and look at different perspectives. Read up on this. Antiwar.com is a good website. Also, stopwar.today, and look in the resources tab for that. So... Um, it's very, very sad times that we're living in right now, and uh, you know I think we need to pray for a lot of uh, wisdom and hem- heavenly support or heavenly guidance uh, to those that are in power because uh, a lot of innocent people are suffering, and that's the nature of war. The, the innocent people that have no impact on these national decisions are the ones getting killed and becoming refugees, but it's the people, it's the Putins. It's the it's the other leaders, and it's the uh, military industrial complex, the the companies that make billions of dollars, trillions of dollars, on selling weapons. Uh, they're not the ones um, suffering and dying. So, any event, uh, that's that's my uh, fifty cents on that subject. Rick, what do you think? Well, you opened up a whole can of worms on that one, David. Yeah. Thank you. I intended and, to. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm the worm can opener tonight, so. Yeah, you're the worm can opener tonight. And you sound a little melancholy with it, and um, as, as you probably you should be. Uh, yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess. And, uh, you know, one one of the things that, uh, you know, who knows how this, how it's all going to play out. You know, we got it. He's a nut. Putin's a nut. And uh, you can't trust crazy people and that's what he is and he's been plotting for a long time to do exactly what he's doing um, and you know there's so much that's written on the history and why he's doing it I mean he was in East Germany when the wall came down and that totally irritated him and and you know my, my feeling is he, it, it's his get back time I'm going to get back at all you people I'm going to get back at the West I'm going to get back at Europe and, and here I come and, and what concerns me is what is still his game plan and uh, I'm not so sure it's, it's stopping at Ukraine and um, a lot of people say he wasn't even going to go you know they called his bluff he wasn't going to go well he we, we told everybody he was going and he went and, and who knows where where it's going to stop I know we're coming to the end of the show but one of the things you know we've, we've had some leaders that have gone to Russia to try to talk to him and I you know I've heard about you know sitting down at the table and trying to resolve things through mediation. And, uh, you know, and this is a fact. During the Korean War, when, when, when they were sitting down, and the United States and, and China, and they were sitting down and they were talking about how to resolve the Korean War, it took 13 months before they actually started sitting down and negotiating and talking this is how was, and, and what I'm about to say sounds so absurd, but it's the truth. During those 13 months, the, all the parties were trying to figure out where and how to sit around a table. Yeah, that's sad. They would show up and literally debate where I'm going to sit. Now, there were some people who will say the reason they were doing that is they were still, they were still fighting the war and trying to get a, a heads up on the, on, on, on the enemy. Uh, so that's why they were, it was a purposeful delay tactic. 
but but it's a fact that they literally spent 13 months trying to figure out where everyone's going to sit, and then once they figured it out, then they were going to start talking about, um, you know, how to resolve it. But in the meantime, over that 13 months, there was a lot of bloodshed. So, you know, that's how ridiculous war is. And David, as you pointed out, that, you know, our, our documentary on Stop War, people don't realize the cost, the true cost of war. Not about the bullets and the guns and the tanks. It's about the men and women who suffer during the war and then suffer for the rest of their lives. And the families that are impacted. We talk all the time about PTSD on this show. PTSD is a family disease, not just a disease that affects a veteran. And, you know, veterans who end up committing suicide because they got PTSD and and they got a two or three and a four-year-old at home. And those three kids now grow up without a dad because of the trauma that the dad fell as a result of being in service. You know, there's plenty of trauma going on in Ukraine right now. And it's just, it's just it's devastating that what what's happening, and and you know there's and there's anxiety and, as you brought up there there's anxiety and stress amongst people in the United States trying to figure out what's what's going to happen from here. I got a son-in-law who's stationed right now in England. He flies F uh, uh, F-15, and uh, he has not gone yet, but half his squadron's over in Poland. And my daughter, you know, and she's got. You know, for my grandkids, uh, she talks to me every day, and they're worried about. She's worried about when her husband Matt may be sent over to Poland. So there's a lot going on right now, and uh, we can only hope that uh, cooler minds prevail. But right now, I, I'm a little, I'm a bit of a skeptic. So we're getting kind of close to the end here, David. I think I should probably go right into our our tradition closing. Good idea. Which is the coaching in the care program. Uh, This is a reminder to all the veterans and families about how important this program is. Again, it's called coaching in the care. It helps veterans having difficulty transitioning to home life. Turning home can be a tough adjustment, and loved ones can help. Coaching in the care offers free coaching to help you help your veterans. Give the program a call at 1-888-823-7458. This hour is on Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, the VA's coaching in the care number is one triple eight eight two three seven four five eight. In addition, I'd like to once again remind listeners that if you know a veteran who is suicidal or in a crisis of any kind, the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs also has a Veterans Crisis Line to help. Call one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five and press one. Many veterans have committed suicide because they did not get the help they needed. Help them get the care they need to cope with their problems. Once again. The Veterans Crisis Line can help, and that number is 1-800-273-8255, and press 1. Back to you, Dave. Well, thanks for listening to our show. Hope you uh, gained some information insight that will help you. Uh, we'd like to thank our producer of BBS Radio, Mr. Doug Newsom, and we hope you'll tune in next week, same time and station, which is 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Mountain, and 4 p.m. Pacific time here on bbsradio.com station one. We'll have another edition of the Veterans News Hour. Until then, we hope you have a good week. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to the Veterans News Hour with David Corey and Richard Hurley. 
We hope you found this week's program very informative. Be sure to invite your friends and all the veterans you know to tune in next week when we'll have another great show on veterans' issues. Meanwhile, you can listen to our other recorded episodes on the Veterans News Hour webpage on bbsradio.com. Thanks again for listening to the Veterans News Hour.